Well, this evening, uh, following on in, uh, from the chapter that Ian took us to in uh, John chapter 18, we are going into the section which I suppose would be labelled the, the trial of the Lord Jesus. I want to just look at the two, two trials, the trials of uh, the Lord when he was confronted with Annas and Caiaphas, which is the trials of the Jews, when the Jews challenged the Lord Jesus. And then we switch to the trial of the Gentiles, which is where the Lord Jesus was brought to Pilate, the, uh, the Roman um, leader who was representing the Gentiles. So let's just read it together. We're in John chapter 18, and we'll read the section, which is verse 19 to 24, and then we'll jump to 28 through to the end of the chapter. So it reads, Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded. If I said something wrong Jesus replied testify as to what it is what is wrong but if I spoke the truth why did you strike me then Annas sent him still bound to Caiaphas the high priest and then verse 28 then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor by now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words of Jesus is spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you? Sorry, am I a Jew? Pilate asked. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Therefore, on the side of truth, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. 
What is truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. What I thought I'd do is to, first of all, as I said, focus on the, the trial before the high priest. What, what I just found was struck me again in reading this was to have the high priest and two of them, as, as Ian was telling us last week, they were both called high priests. And I wonder why that is. It seems as if Caiaphas was the current high priest and maybe Annas was the previous one. They were people who uh, had a, a role to play amongst the people. They interceded on behalf of the people. They were given a role of interceding between the people and God. They had a role to play in the temple. They were people who were looked up to. It made me want to go back and look again at the Old Testament, at the consecration of the priests that we read about in Exodus and Leviticus. It's Exodus chapter 29 and Leviticus 8, which gives you very clear teachings on how Aaron and his sons were consecrated. That was a tremendous uh, important thing that you read about is it, when you read it in the scriptures and the detail that the great God of heaven gave to the setting up of these people and their responsibilities over the people of Israel and how they were to dress, how they were to um, consecrate themselves and how they were to present themselves before God. It had to be done exactly right. They were, a, they were somebody who, when they looked at what they were responsible for, that they, they should worship God and lead the people of Israel in worship, and that their reverence and their setting aside of their own human feelings, if you like, because they were sinful men, and this, putting that aside and setting themselves up as worthy of their calling to intercede on behalf of the people of Israel. It was tremendously important. And when you read about Aaron and his sons and the uh, sin offering they had to bring and the burnt offering they had to bring, the, the, the bull for the, the sin offering and the the ram, or two rams, one, one ram for a burnt offering, another ram for the ram of consecration. And the blood that had to be taken from the ram of consecration and had to be put on their lobes of their ears to their thumb and to their big toe. It, it was all, I'm not going to go into it because it's a whole <laughs> ministry in itself. But the whole thing which you can read for yourself, and I, if you haven't, I'm sure you 
have read it, but maybe meditate on it and study it. And you see coming out of it is the person of Christ. Because the, everything that God told Moses to teach Aaron and his sons and for them to go through on a seven-day ritual was all geared up for them to understand the responsibility of their unique role between the people of Israel and God. And they were going to be given responsibilities of access to God. And so therefore, they had to cleanse themselves. They had to be washed all over by Moses. They had to put on special garments and they had to bring the offerings exactly as God had demanded. And they had to be offered up exactly as God said. The reason I'm mentioning all this is when you suddenly switch, as we've done and read in John 18, we're coming across what we call two high priests or a high priest of the day and one who had been a high priest. And what are they doing? They are judging the one who had come from God. The one they had the responsibility on behalf of the people in order to show forth this perfect man, Christ, who was coming, and they didn't recognize him. And you see the, the contrast between Aaron and his sons and their understanding and their appreciation that would have been taught to them and to their sons and to the people of Israel as the understanding of why God was doing what he was doing. And here we have a situation where the Lamb of God is standing before them and they're mocking him. Caiaphas said, you know, that he was given a prophecy and he had an understanding that it was necessary for one man to die for the people. He, he should have known that and so should all the others have known that, that the man standing before them was somebody who had come to die, who had come to show forth the glories of God in his perfection. What they had to do through the rituals was because of their sinfulness. And here was a man in front of them who knew no sin. I want to just read um, just in, in Hebrews, um, just to, to highlight this, it's in Hebrews chapter four and verse 14. And it says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess, we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters 
related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. Do you see the comparison? I'm not going on. You can read on. It goes on to talk about the Lord being after the order of Melchizedek, as opposed to the order of the Levitical priests. And here is just the contrast that he's referred to as a great high priest, not just the high priest. He's way above the Levitical priesthood. And he's one after the order of Melchizedek, which meant that he had no beginning and no end, whereas Aaronic priesthood, they died. And of course, the reason, as Ian was telling us last week, that we had Annas and Caiaphas was that they had to swap over their jobs. They did them <laughs> for a time. And either eventually they would die and their sons would take over. And, and so it would go on. But the high priest, the great high priest, he ever was and ever will be. And he has understanding as the sinless one who doesn't need to offer sacrifices for his own sin because he has none. He's the perfect high priest. And he is standing before Caiaphas. It's, um, it's something, I think, just to meditate on and to just see the irony of the whole situation, the weird questioning that went on and the, the fact that he... They, they asked him, first of all, that he was someone who had been questioned about his disciples, and he refused to answer. Who were they to question him about the disciples of the Lord Jesus? This is, and they questioned him about his doctrine. It was impertinence uh, on their behalf. Because, but again, they didn't understand who was before them. So he doesn't answer. He's, uh, he never, he says he didn't do anything in secret. Everything he did openly. And when he said in John chapter 18, he said of his disciples to those that had come to capture him. In verse 8, he said, let these people go. When he was questioned about his disciples, there was no danger for the disciples because the Lord had it in control. It's a lovely picture really is the fact that despite Peter's attempt <laughs> at trying to fight his way out of this capture, um, the Lord was protecting him and the other disciples, let them go. It, reminded, it made me think about Moses being sent to Pharaoh on the behalf of the Lord, God of heaven, let my people go. That was because it came from God. That was exactly what was going to happen. And that's what did happen. The Israelites were brought out of Egypt. They were let go. These disciples were in no danger. So when they were questioned, and maybe the purpose of Caiaphas was to try and see if he could trap the Lord into giving them away or speaking about them so that they could capture them too and put them in prison or whatever. There was no danger. 
because the Lord had said, let them go. So the Lord said he did everything. He did nothing in secret. He was open. So when questioned about his doctrine, he said, why are you asking me? Then there's plenty of people that have heard it. You've heard it yourself because they had people who went and listened to the Lord's preaching and reported back to them. And so he was challenged. Uh, he was challenged as to was this judgment guilty? Was he guilty in this judgment of death? They decided he was. But of course, if he'd been judged by the law, and this is what happens when he was brought to Pilate, Pilate immediately questions him and says, well, why don't you judge him? Why don't you judge him by your law? That would have meant he would have been stoned if being been found guilty. But of course, they couldn't find him guilty according to the law. They knew that. And this is what makes it all so, so horrible, if you like, and so satanic. But maybe more importantly, above it all, was that this was what the Lord had prophesied. I, if I be lifted up. He was talking about how he was going to die. He was going to die at the hands of Gentiles, not at the hands of the Jews. He was going to be lifted up on a cross. He was not going to be stoned because he was not going to be found guilty of having gone against the law of God because they couldn't find anything wrong with them. And so when Pilate, when they brought him to, to Pilate, Pilate had the, the grace or the generosity to come out to them because they didn't want to get uh, contaminated, to become ceremonially unclean by entering into a Gentile's home because they were wanting to keep the Passover. <laughs> How ironic was that? The Passover, which again also so clearly spoke about the Lord Jesus coming to die for the blood of the Paschal Lamb to put on the doorpost and the lintels in order that the firstborn might live. And here he was, the one who was going to shed his blood at Calvary. And they were about to remember, and they didn't want to contaminate themselves because they were coming because of their the law which said about the the, the danger of contamination uh, in the leaven, and so Pilate uh, came out to them. He was somebody who wanted to appease them, and so he came out and. He wanted to try and sort of steer a middle ground and he asked them, you know, why don't you execute Jesus? And this, is, this was their answer, that uh, we have no right to execute anyone, which wasn't strictly true. I mean, by, by law, um, they shouldn't have done. But of course, we know from Stephen's stoning, that that could have been done. But they had no justification for doing it, and so they wanted the, the Romans to do it. This happens again, so there's so many times that because of the word of God, it says because of what is written. It just shows the power of the word of God is that 
been prophesied that he was going to hang on a cross. He was going to die as someone who would be lifted up from the world. The contamination of the world, he was going to be lifted up. And that was going to happen. And it would be done at the hands of the Gentiles. So Pilate said, but I'll just rush on. Pilate says to him, um, are you a king? You know, it's a question which is really stands out in this whole section. Are you a king? Because the answer the Lord gave was odd at first. Is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? It personalizes that question. You know that um, it's not a general question. It's one that individuals need to answer. And it's the answer determines our approach to the Lord Jesus. Do we believe he's a king? Um, Pilate obviously didn't. He mocked him. And I think that was the damning of Pilate because he didn't realize who was in front of him at that time. There's a question that we could maybe consider later on whether in, in, in the future or the way his wife spoke to him and from what he heard that maybe he was touched, but we, we don't know that at this stage, certainly. Uh, he did not, and he was not prepared to upset the Jews by uh, letting him go free. But at the same time, there was no justification for condemning him to death. The Lord Jesus said to him about his kingdom. He says, my kingdom, my servants. It just shows you that he was talking above this world. It was in contrast to the rule of this world because Pilate was a representative of a leader of a, a world power and the power of the world was seen in the Roman Empire and Pilate was representing that. And it wasn't a conflict. Jesus wasn't saying he was a king in conflict to the Roman Empire. He was above that. He was saying his kingdom was outside of this world. My kingdom and my servants, they'll fight when I say so, but not like this, not now. And so the authority of Jesus comes out in his answers. And uh, when he says, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate's disdainful response, what is truth? It just sums up again the power of this world. And we see it today in the, the powers that be. I suppose each one of them we can almost uh, see as a problem with truth. The Lord Jesus Christ is truth. 
everything that came out of his mouth was truth. His very actions, his very demeanor, everything was about truth. He was the way, the truth, and the life. And he's confronted with a man that doesn't even know the meaning of the word. There's the conflict between the heavenly rule, the heavenly kingdom, and the kingdoms of this world ruled by sinful men. I came, I was born, I am a king. See the personalized of it, he is the truth. It was so clear, the man standing in front of you, Pilate, is the great I am. He is truth. He identified with truth. He was the word. He was Jesus. Otherwise, you see the, in contrast, the ignorance and the weakness of the power of this world. Pilate declared his innocence. He could see nothing wrong with the man. And in his weakness, he tries to get out of it. It's your custom for me to release someone. I'll release the king, your king to you. And they said, no. And here the hypocrisy comes out again because they choose a man who was a rebel, <laughs> who was fighting, actively fighting against the Roman Empire. He was fighting against the Roman army and they'd imprisoned him for it. And yet that was the very thing that they accused the Lord Jesus of, that he was, uh, he was not... Uh, um, for Caesar. He was against Caesar. So therefore, that was their justification for bringing him to Pilate. And now they were saying, we'll release somebody who caught in the very act of being anti-Caesar. These are just a few thoughts I just bring on this section. There's a lot really that I think we just need to take away and just the contrast of seeing the Lord Jesus standing um, before the high priest, someone who was going to be the great high priest and see the contrast. And the man standing before the power of this world, maybe a representative of Satan, um, the power of sinful Roman empire and just being ridiculed and mocked and he's standing there talking about his future kingdom. You know, we believe we are the kingdom of God on earth. And the responsibility that we have, again, is to see the picture of the Lord Jesus standing before Pilate in all his perfection and talking about his future kingdom talking about a kingdom that we are looking forward to in its perfection and its sinlessness in heaven. We have a responsibility like the consecration of the priests to ensure that we rid ourselves of sin, that we act in the purity of the laws of God as best we can, seeking his guidance and his direction. And therefore we should not be ashamed in it or our weakness, 
because we are weak. We are born in weakness. We are born in sin. But because of what our great high priest has done, because of the fact that he is the one that intercedes on our behalf now, we can operate in an earthly kingdom, seeking to obey him as the priesthood, able to worship him in the way that he's asked because we have been cleansed. We have been made holy in the righteousness of Christ. We have that responsibility. Don't balk from it because we are given all that we need. And despite our weakness, despite our sinful nature, we can look to the cross and see our sin being put on him and being removed as far as the east is from the west in order that we can become holy in Christ Jesus. And as we did this morning, able to ascend as a holy priesthood into the presence of God and to, in spirit, see our great high priest taking our offerings and presenting them to his God and his Father in heaven. Blessed be his name. Thank you.